Those of you that have the paper already can see that there's an arc at the top, which is, of course, a, a little idea about eternity, forever, forever, forever. Father, Son, Holy Spirit comprise that. The first verse of the Hebrew Bible um, is just a, a Bible in itself to me. And verses 1 and 2 deal with things that happened before time began. Verse 3 of Genesis 1 says this is day 1. So everything that happened in verses 1 and 2 was before time began. That included the creation of this, of this globe, this world, this, this sphere. Uh, and there was water with it. There was darkness. And the Holy Spirit gave it some sense of existence until, and there's no way to say it otherwise, but before time began, uh, when all the angels were created, and, and in some event, uh, Lucifer decided to take a third of the angels and rebel against God. And so that was, the, that was the celestial realm that was contaminated by angelic sin. And of course, God then, this, this places Satan in the garden, brings him down. Because when a dual will emerged in the celestial realm, the holiness of God could not tolerate that, so it had to be removed. This places Satan in the garden and his angels in different dispositions, many of whom are in a cage or a place uh, in the, there's a Greek word, Tartarus, and we don't have an English word for it. That's where many angels are until the second coming. And when angels sin because of where they were created, as, and they are spirit, uh, when, angels sin, when angels sin, they could not be forgiven because they could not die. And so when, when the spirit beings, and God created them with a breath, uh, when, they, when they made a wrong decision, their eternity was zapped. I'll use that term. Their eternity was fixed. And, uh, and, but when sin happens on, in this, after God creates Adam, I believe God places uh, a, a breath of himself in a human being, and he gives us an edge over angels who sin. Uh, in, that, in that there is a provision that he begins to put into place and so if, and of course that provision is ultimately the death of Jesus Christ. And, and the death of Jesus Christ took care of all sin forever on this planet. The sin of Adam, the sin of his sons, the sins of people, the sins of Abraham, of Moses, of, Je of, of David, uh, were, all, were all put in a holding pattern or position because there was never a sin. Hitler's sins were forgiven, your sins and mine. And if Jesus stays in heaven another 10,000 years or whatever, every sin that's committed between now and then will be forgiven. You say, what do you mean Hitler's sins were forgiven? They were. Jesus died. But unless Hitler used the provision God made for him to avail himself of that death, then it's as if Jesus didn't even live nor die. And that's when... And, and, and I could read some passages to you. For instance, in Romans chapter 3, <clears throat> 25 and so, uh, the provision was made so that sins of the past would be forgiven. And in the 15th verse of Hebrews chapter 9, talking to the Jews, as Patrick has just finished that great series, um, sins committed under the first covenant. So there was no sins forgiven until Jesus Christ died. You say, well, in Psalm 51, it talks about that David was forgiven of his sin. His sins were forgiven with a credit card. 
there was a provision made. That's what Yom Kippur was for 1,500 years for the Jews once a year to observe that sabbatic role very seriously. There's a lot of detail that goes with that. And by doing that, God didn't forgive their sin. He just remembered it, but he just moved it forward. And it was not until Jesus Christ died was forgiven. So this is the upper part of this page that you have. I'm confident that had angels not sinned, there may not have been a, a, a provision for God to ever create human beings. That doesn't mean that he has double plan, plan B. Um, but anyway, and so the middle of your page, the creation of heaven and earth was already in God's plan. <clears throat> then the scene of God's principal action dramatically changed. It appears that the primeval sphere, sphere uh, was vacant territory unless eons later it would use a, surface, uh, a great purpose, which is we're talking about the physical planet now. See, the plan, physical planet was begun, bef was created before the beginning of time, and it, along with water, can never end, and so it will be the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, and the sin of man, will, it'll be cleaned, of course, and the, and the new heaven will come down and encompass this earth. Uh, this earth was created in a, an existence before the beginning of time. And so anything that was begun in that realm has no ending. It's only in the context of time. That's your horizontal line in the bottom there. <clears throat> Pardon me. The arrows coming down from above is when God at any given moment in the realm of time chose to encounter humanity. And so with God, all history is present tense. He is, he, he is alive in the last day of history. And, and, and those arrows coming down is when thing, different things in this realm of time came into existence as he chose it to be. And, of course, that even begins when, when Jesus Christ was born. And these other arrows are when he came down and met you. Whenever you receive the benefit of that cross. And it's a lily. Uh, you find forgiveness at the foot of the cross. You find forgiveness at the foot of the cross. Now, the bottom of this page is uh, something that is uh, so important to me because in the foreknowledge of God, and see Romans 3, 24 and 5 talk about that, pro that foreknowledge of God, his grace and agape love. Agape is the Greek word for love, and that's all God is. That is all God is. That's what 1 John 4, verse 8 says. Agape love. Now, there's a phileo love. That's a man kind of love. There's a God kind of faith, and there's a man kind of faith. And so, which is greater, a man's faith in God or God's faith in man? And so, it's important that we utilize the upper quality and level of a human being, which is your spirit, your heart, that nothing else on this planet possesses. There's not anything. Everything that has breath in its lungs is nephish. That's the word for breath. But there's an infinite nephish. The breath of God was breathed upon you and me when we were in our mother's wombs. And it's that breath of God that, that, uh, that is a, becomes a receptacle in which the Holy Spirit can come in and live and dwell here um, when we're saved. And the second thing is that breath of God kept you from being guilty of Adam's sin. You don't go to hell for what Adam did. As our Calvinist friend says, you go to the grave because of what Adam did. And there's a vast difference there. There's a difference in 
in the, um, uh, in the guilt of Adam's sin and the consequence of it. Uh, our children receive the consequences, uh, but again, and so <clears throat> these, uh, these words at the bottom here are so important. And now, Father, glorify me in, in, in your presence with a glory that I had with you before the world began. In his great prayer of John 17, Father, I want those who have given me. And incidentally, Jesus didn't pick up the 12 apostles. He went out and just gathered them. The Father selected them. And, and he says this, I've kept the ones that you gave me. Uh, when in, in the sixth chapter of, um, of Luke, this is dealt with when he prayed all night. I believe that when God told him, gave him the name of those um, it didn't, those 11 of the 12 were not that big an issue. But the Judas thing required an all-night prayer session with the Father. To process that in his life, of course, but in any case. <clears throat> and then look at, down the bottom here. For he chose us in him. You can put your name there. And that us is you. Your name was written in the book of life before time ever began. Oh, you say, well, then why would I try? That removes the choice. No, if he's omniscient, and that means if he knows everything, he simply knew what your decision would be. He knew what you would choose to do. Embrace his grace. And it doesn't add, not in any sense of the word, does this remove your right and privilege to make a choice, and we continue to do that. Uh, look at the bottom of this line. His own purpose and grace. Look at this. This grace was given us. Grace was given you before the beginning of time. The Lamb in the mind of God, 13.8 of the book of uh, Revelation, Jesus Christ died before the beginning of time in the mind of God. So you see, there was a cross in the mind of God thousands of years before there was a Calvary. Now look at the back page. <clears throat> there was a meeting of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'll have to use the term after, and I, that's not, uh, but that's the only way I can say it. And so before day one, verse three, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had a meeting. Now, the name of Jesus in the Greek New Testament is Logos, Logos. That's the Greek word. In the beginning was the Logos, the word. And so the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, had, they had a meeting. And the uh, Father said to the Logos, Today, I am your father. You are my son. Ask of me. Now, this is found in the second chapter of the book of uh, Psalms. And I came across this not, well, a few years ago when I was putting together all of Paul's sermons in his missionary journey. That's just an interesting study, missionary journeys. And when I came across this one in Acts 13, um, uh, you, you see this down in the third paragraph there, in one of his greatest sermons. Uh, this is the good news, what God promised our fathers, he's fulfilled for us, their children, uh, uh, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm. Did you know there's no other place in the Holy Bible like that? In my Greek New Testament, it says Second Psalm. There is no other verse in the Bible that the Holy Spirit identifies specifically. Now there are hundreds of times when the, when Isaiah said or Jeremiah said or somebody or the prophets, but the Second Psalm. So I go back to the Second Psalm as David is writing about something that happened before the beginning of time, when the Father said to the Logos, 
Today I become your father. That doesn't mean that's when Jesus was created. No, he just changed his role from whatever it had been from eternity. Today I become your father. You are my son. Ask of me. Did you know the word ask in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic is the principal word for prayer? Did you know that before God created time, God had Jesus to, be, to understand what the idea was, a man of prayer? I'm going somewhere with this because it's quite important. That's why I want to spend the first few minutes this morning doing this. Look in that next paragraph. Prayer was then the first and the centerpiece of God's concern for humanity. And, every, and the rest of those verses from Psalms 2 is that as a result of prayer, I'll give the whole earth back to you, even remote people groups. So this included far more than just David. Um, further validation is recorded. The Father loved him before the creation of the world. Jesus Christ was chosen before the creation of the world was revealed in these last days. Again, I repeat, Jesus was slain. This is not a repetition of the first page, but it's something adding to it as it relates to prayer. And so grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. The grace of God was the way by which prayer would be preeminent thousands of years before there was a Calvary, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs of eternal life. Now, there are some conferences that I go to that I spend hours on this page, on these pages, and the things that go with it. But look at this next paragraph. Since Logos, Jesus, was in the beginning with God and was God, all things were created by him. And here are those verses. The first thing Father God said to him was, ask of me. This places prayer first and foremost above all else in the mind of God in behalf of humanity. Now, that next little line there is powerful. The 109th Psalm in the Hebrew Bible is Viani Tefillah. There's no English Bible. There's not a one of you in this room that has an English Bible or just an English translation in your pocket of 29 translations that says what the Hebrew says. The Hebrew says, I am prayer. Your modern speech translations will do italics, man of, or I'm always praying, or it doesn't so. But the Holy Spirit says, I am prayer. Did you know that's what you are as a saved person? You're walking, breathing, everything you do, everything you do when you're asleep, when you're awake, you're walking, living, breathing prayer. And see, according to Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit living in us is your prayer. He takes your prayer. The Holy Spirit, as your prayer, takes your prayer, which is your heart, unto the Father, under the throne of heaven, and Jesus Christ at his right hand. And so Jesus Christ was a man of, was told by the Father before he created time, ask of me, and through. And I, it would be wonderful to take all the time through the Old Testament and see what that Logos did. And everything that he did, the Holy Spirit empowered him. And then that Logos entered Mary's womb. And Jesus emerged, and it'd be a delightful time just to talk about how many times Jesus said, the Holy Spirit said this to me, or the Holy Spirit let me, let me do this. And he said, you can say bad things about the Son of Man, but don't you dare say anything bad about the Holy Spirit in terms of sin against the Holy Spirit. The other thing is that um, uh, uh, when, when we think about this, I am prayer, Jesus Christ then takes your, the thoughts of your heart no English word has ever been spoken in heaven. Now, Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew have been, but not English. 
And so the thoughts of your heart is that by which the Holy Spirit on a, on a continuous basis. And the beautiful thing was read by her this morning here about how that our prayers are that offering that goes up before God as a sweet-smelling savor. Well, I don't know what else is on this page. But I am prayer. Look at the bottom of it. This explains why prayer is the centerpiece of all God's concern. That's why this church, 18 years ago, the shepherds asked Patsy and me to come here and help to create that culture of prayer. And if, if you only knew to what extent and degree, I, we receive a number of prayer cards each week from children, uh, kindergartners, and their little block letters, and so in so many other ways. Um, <clears throat> So he, and not only that, I was asked a question in, um, I don't remember if it was Montana or where I, somewhere this year, will there be prayer in heaven? And I said, well, there won't need to be in the new heaven and new earth, but there is now because Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you and me. And right now he's at the right hand of the Father, Romans 8 as well as Hebrews 7:25. Now then, let's use the rest of the time for you. So you'll need to ask a question that, that I can hear. Maybe I need to just, uh, maybe I just need to come down closer to you. So, either something's been said or a question that you would like to ask, you'll have to raise your hand and speak so that I can hear you. Who, who wants to begin? Well, this must be a satisfied crowd, Cammy. I think they may be. Anybody? Yes, please, Randy. Oh, he hasn't thought of it yet. He's trying to think of it. He hasn't even put the words together yet. Yes. 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 That's a great question. If God had wanted man to be good, to be righteous, and to be holy, why did he ever allow man to sin? That is a wonderful question. Did you know had God not allowed Adam to be able to hear another voice we would all be robots morality morality requires I'll get right there morality requires the, the ability to make a choice and there are only three dimensions of that God is the creator and two others are angels and people and in the whole realm of morality the very first principle of morality is the right to make a choice and so God had to, it was necessary, he chose, I'll put it that way, he chose to allow man to have another choice, an alternative, so that in that choice then, God would do everything to make it so that why would anybody want to choose in the wrong way? But they certainly can. Does that help to answer that? Go ahead on the back. Interesting. That's wonderful. 
That's right. And since he made all the angels at once, he spoke a word in everyone. He created you and me with a breath, one at a time. And so that gives us that individual opportunity, as you've just pointed out so very well, to make that choice. And this brings more glory to him. Uh, anything else? Somebody else? Yes, please. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Say it again. Yes, Satan and a third of the angels. That's right. They, uh, they are, they, uh, m many of them are in consigned to Tartarus, which is, let's just think of a, of a dark cave somewhere. Now, there are a great number of them released in the, in the employ of Satan on this earth. And a subset, I believe, of fallen angels uh, is a demonic world, and that's another entire study. Um, uh, but but uh, obviously, uh, Jesus talks about Satan and his angels, uh, Matthew 25, and, um, uh, and, 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 and their ultimate end. And so angels, that's why it's interesting to me, in the first miracle that, that Mark, uh, Mark de deals with uh, in casting out a demon, and these, and these demons say, Jesus, thou son of David, have you come beforehand to torment us? They knew they had already been in a battle with him and lost. Now, Alexander Campbell, and who's to question him? But he, he, stay, he believes that, that, that demons are spirits of, of, of dead men. I maintain they're the spirits of fallen angels because think of the billions of men who've died on earth that don't know a thing about God. And yet these demons had had, a, had, had an encounter with him before and lost. And you know what? The disciples, the disciples were, what's going on here? What are they talking about? Those, those demons knew more about Jesus than these disciples did at the beginning. But anyway, that, yes, ma'am, your question here. Uh, that's a good question. What did the Satan and the angels do to get cast out? There's one. Now, the 12th chapter of the book of, uh, of Isaiah and the, and the 22nd, 24th chapter of the book of Ezekiel both give details of the, of the enemy and when iniquity was found in you. And I don't believe he's talking about a, about a, a natural king. Uh, and if that's all we had, then we might want to question them. But since the New Testament, many New Testament passages validate what's said in Isaiah 12 as well as is, uh, uh, is Ezekiel 28, 24, rather, it just simply validates. But there's one place in, the, in Paul's writing to Timothy that because of the pride of angels, pride of fallen angels, and not only that, not only that, but in Ezekiel's account, uh, you were the anointed cherub talking about the Lucifer until, see, he was God's right, man, he right arm. He was a chief of all the angels in my understanding. In fact, he relegated all worship through, uh, through him to the Father, that anointed cherub. And so I believe that worship, I believe that worship and music were uh, the instruments that Satan used in a wrong way in honoring God. That's interesting, isn't it? When you look at that word cherub, it has some interesting implications. Incidentally, 
uh, I've reworked my studies on spiritual warfare and call them spiritual warfare revisited. And I have about 35 pages on the origin of evil and 40 pages on demonology as a study guide. It's printed, and anybody that wants to uh, have one of those or borrow one, you can, you're welcome to do so. Also, the lectures will go with it. All right, somebody else. We have a, well, we're doing well. Questions? On this, th think more about this thing about I am prayer. Uh, I am prayer. Um, this, the, look at the, look at the privilege that this gives us. Look at the, look at the, the and this is, this is something that as we grow older, there's a sense of nourishment about it that as the body grows weaker, our faith in him grows stronger and we get nearer to him. We get nearer to him so that in one sense, when we draw that last breath, we're already there. We're already there. And that's where and why your prayer life is so important. And so prayer is not just however many times and formal articulation as we have in church services and maybe at, at a meal before, on a table before, before a meal. Uh, that's, that's wonderful. But if that's the extent of your prayer life, then something is tragically missing in terms of the joy and privilege that belongs to you. Because technically, we are, we, we are a walking, living, breathing prayer. I'm telling you, the Hebrew says in Vionic Tefala, I am prayer. I am prayer. And so think of it anyway. Yes, brother. We are all children of God. Yes. 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 That's wonderful. Yes. Yes. Is a communication. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. As Ron says, as parents, we want to hear from our children. And, and, uh, we want to, and we want to talk with them, to converse with them. And this, of course, is a privilege. I often I, I use this illustration sometimes. I've been on long trips in the last many years. And um, I, maybe I've, I've called Patsy, and I'll say, I plan to be home. I plan to be home at a certain hour. And I get into O'Hare, and there's something messed up, and I don't get home till the next day. Uh, I'm anxious to get home. I'm anxious to get home and 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 be with the ones the ones that I love. Um, and so the the whole how how can we allow Satan or business or other things to so distract us to finally get around to that conversation with him? We should not allow we should not allow lesser things to take the place of that greater important thing. When we when we look at these uh, uh, issues that are that were in in these verses, I uh, I was I was just I, I was so astounded at how many years have I been reading the Book of Acts and came across that passage that in the second Psalm, and and that's. That's in the Greek, I mean, that's in the Greek language. And so I go back to the second Psalm, and David then is privileged as a prophet. And in such a remarkable way, because all the prophets talked about things from themselves forward. Isaiah the greatest, Hosea, Zephaniah, 
uh, Ezekiel, all those prophets were talking about things from their point of reference, historically, forward. David was the one that was privileged to talk about something that happened even before the beginning of time. When Father said to the Logos, today, I'm your father, you're my son, ask of me. Ask of me. And that, of course, is, the, is a primary uh, word in the different, in the different languages. <clears throat> well, if somebody doesn't ask some questions, I'm going to just start preaching, I think. Go ahead, Randy, you have another? Go ahead. Can praying be in vain? Jesus talks about, that, that's, that idea is discussed, but are you aware that God answered the devil's prayer? When to demons who were, I believe, uh, in the warm bodies of the giants, and uh, they were on this earth, and they went through dry places looking for, I believe, bodies to, in, in, to, uh, uh, to engage, to, to in, enter, and when the demons asked him uh, to be put into the swine, uh, and, and he allowed that to happen, in that sense, Satan, uh, the, Jesus answered even, this, even the demons' request. Now, a matter of, of, a, of, a, of a false or a, or a prayer that's not properly oriented. Um, when words are not enough, I've written a paper about five or six pages on that from Romans chapter 8. And I'm, I'm going to get to your question, but I'm going to answer it in this way. There are times in a Christian's heart when you are in a moment of ecstasy. It could be something that you've seen when you are standing in some place and see, uh, a, 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 as Patrick sometimes talks about, a sunset. Uh, when I stood where Elijah did and looked across sea, the Mediterranean Sea and, and, and realized something there, that was an ex a moment of ecstasy for me. The Holy Spirit there speaks to the Father beyond my words. On the other hand, when you're in a moment of despair, desperation and in such depth of pain that your tongue cleaves to the roof of your mouth, the Holy Spirit of God takes care of that, steps in right there and continues. That's my point, your prayer. And so there are extremities with the human voice, with the human mind, with the human thoughts. And so allow the Holy Spirit to go above and below in all those extremities of life. But realize that you have that privilege, that you have that gift, that you have that part of God inside you. And there's another thing. When God breathed upon your, the fetus in your mother's womb, that breath, you see, my breath is not me, but it's from me. It's of me. And that breath of God is an infinite nephish. And, and, and that allows you then to have uh, the privileges and opportunity. Not anything else on earth possesses this, that particular gift. And this, again, is another thing, so far as I'm concerned. That also made you a part of God's DNA. Angels are not his DNA. And this is why we are his sons and daughters, spiritually. We're princes and princesses. And, and that in itself gives us a standing, a level of standing that, uh, that uh, we need to appreciate and realize that, that we do possess that. 
What a great blessing. What a great blessing. Yes, please, on the back. It's when you what? Yes, yes. Um, I, I love where you are um, in, in what you're saying. And, and this brings it nearly to an ongoing uh, cir circumstance or privilege, but at the same time, we, we do enter the picture. I, there are paragraphs of our hearts that factor into what the Holy Spirit does in, in sending it to the Father. Uh, that's the um, that's that's the re remarkable privilege that a, that a Christian possesses, and and even and and especially, and in my case, I have stood beside a, a lot of men and women as they are dying. And it's really a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to sense to sense this role of prayer that no more comes out of their mouths but from their hearts it ascends to the Father. Oh, that's a remarkable thing. And, the, and we possess that. I mean, that's a gift that we have. And, and, uh, and so, yes, we need to speak to him. We need to, I mean, tell him the good and the bad. He can handle it. He, he can handle it. Uh, and and the, the, whole, the whole part of it is uh, he chose, he um, he chose to give us some opportunities and privileges that not anything else possesses. I'm so fascinated by this natural world and the, co and the covenant he made with Noah and how these things come to pass. And, but, it, but you and I live above and beyond that. Go ahead. Yes. Usually when I talk, I stop listening. If you are, if you are, if you are, did you know that your talking is his answer? Your talking to him is his answer. And so it then has the ability to receive that answer and embrace it. Patsy, did you have something to say? I thought you were going to say something. But do you see that? In other words, our, our voice to him in prayer, which is received instantly, is, is his answer, I believe, to us. And, and, of course, those answers are, I'm working one of the next projects, and it'll, it may, it'll be next year. Uh, I had a person um, in one of my prayer sessions uh, one time said to me when we were discussing something, he said, well, prayer is prayer is prayer. And so I 
I didn't forget what he said. Uh, and, and so now I've begun to work on a, on a matter of different kinds of prayer. So if prayer is prayer is prayer, let's, I'll just say this, sports is sports is sports. So let's play football like we play basketball. After all, sports is sports. You know, play tennis like you play golf. If sports is sports is sports. No, there's more than one rule or law involved in the game of sports. And I believe there is in prayer. And it could be, it could be that the model prayer, the model prayer are at least seven different kinds of prayer. There's a difference in asking God for your daily bread. And it's so, listen, it's in order to be selfish in your prayer. There's nothing wrong with being selfish in your prayer. As long as that, of course, obviously has an ultimate goal toward the Father. And so I believe that, that, that maybe that model prayer has seven different kinds. And there's a difference in asking for and, and talking about temptation. Lead us not into temptation. I'm not sure that's the right way that should be translated. Lead us not into temptation. Help us to determine when temptation is before me. Might be a better understanding of my And there's another thing. I won't fall out with anybody uh, for, for saying this, but when I was a boy, grow up in the country, and, uh, and a peddler would come by, and, and, and I remember once my mother um, took something from a peddler, gave him a dozen eggs for her, something like that, and she took a hat pin and stuck it in the paper in the living room, and it says, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And, and you and I know that. We've thought about that. We've heard about it for years. Technically, that's not so. Because when Jesus, one, on a great occasion, Hebrews 5, 7 says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, through strong cries and, t and, prayer and tears, he prayed unto the Father who could, who could hear. Did you know that it was one of those occasions, in my opinion, when he was out behind a rock or somewhere alone, I mean, crying and carrying on with the Father. And the disciples missed him. They were looking for him. And they come around a stone, and he startles them, and they startle him. And they say, Master, teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive our sins as we forgive the sins. No, he didn't sin. He says, this is how you should pray. So rather than calling that the Lord's Prayer, let's call that a model prayer. And there's another little thing that I'd advise. I believe it's somewhere in, in, in any articulated prayer, the name of Jesus needs to be, uh, the name of Jesus needs to be said. And in your, in your, in your nonverbal ones, just think of that name. Because you see, the devil doesn't like the name Jesus. He'll let you talk about higher powers. He'll let you talk about God and all this different kind of thing. But let me tell you something. Somewhere in your prayer, mention his name. And, and there are young men in this church, and I work with them. They say, in your son's name. They close a prayer, in your son's name. And he's the son of God, but he's the one of a kind son of God, monogenes. And so, in Jesus' name. Or, or you don't have to say it at the end of the prayer. Jesus, because of you. Jesus, we're calling, let the name of Jesus be uttered in an articulated prayer. That's all I'm asking. I won't, I won't say you're a bad person by saying in your son's name. But his name is Jesus. <laughs> the greatest name I know. It's time for us to close. God bless you all.